Hey, Next on the Teen Nation, thanks for tuning in to this segment of the show. I really appreciate all your support. If you're enjoying the show, please go online to podcastmagazine.com and vote for us in their Hot 50 list. You'll see a tab to vote right there on their homepage. Stay up to date with our guest schedule by going online to nextonthetea.net. I really appreciate you. Enjoy the segment. And folks, this segment of the show is brought to you by our friends over at TaylorMade and their TP5 and TP5X golf balls. High draw, check. Low fade, check. Bump and run, out of the sander flop shot, check, check, and check. No matter what shot you need to pull off, there's one ball that's better than them all, and that's the all-new TP5 and TP5X from TaylorMade. With a newly redesigned dimple pattern that decreases drag and increases lift, it's the number one ball in golf no matter the shot. So whether you need to hit it high over the trees, under, or maybe even through them, hit TP5 or TP5X, the one ball designed to handle it all. Check them out online by going to TaylorMadeGolf.com for more information. All right, now back with me is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patry. For everyone in the Naples and Fort Myers areas, be on the lookout because TP is headed back your way. He's going to be back at Crown Colony Golf and Country Club in Fort Myers soon. So start getting prepared to go see him so he can coach you up to a championship level. If you can't go see Tom in person, download the V1 video app and send him videos of your golf swing so he can help get you dialed in through the app. Please check out his website, TomPatry.com, and give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram at TomPatryGolf. Don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel where you can watch nearly 200 free video playing lessons. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board. And tomorrow is TP's birthday. So happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, little Tommy Patry. Happy birthday to you. How are you, TP? Happy birthday, my friend. Christine, <laughs> boy. TP, how's it feel to be? What are, what are you turning? 82, 83? How are you feeling? 97 and a half. <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. tomorrow is the, I'm nine under par tomorrow, Christine. Nine under tomorrow, 63. You know, if, uh, that's the number for the year. That's the, that's the goal number for the year, too, Bugs. Well, I got to yeah. say, you, you got to be shooting your age now, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I have two goals this year. And I, 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 when I turned 60, my first goal was to, was to get a score in the same decade as my age. And I've had 70 about 11 times now in the past year or so. No 69, no 68. So first thing is to get into the same decade. And then we're going to creep down to the 63 number. <laughs> I have no doubt that both of those goals are going to fall. Oh, yeah, yeah. With a golf swing like ball. yours? Are you kidding me? I'm starting, actually starting to hit it pretty good again because I'm putting the ball better than I putted it in a long time. So it's uh, it's it's in sight. It's in sight. I feel good about it. Yeah, good for you. So. Hey, Tom, I want to start out our uh, I want to start our segment out tonight talking about the Ryder Cup. You know, most of us, and I think you and I were two of them, went into that event thinking, you know, could the U.S. team not just win, but could could they even get along with one another? And and now that they've won in dominating style, right? 19 to 9. People are now starting to say the U.S. team is young, it's deep, they're going to win this thing for several years to come. And the opposite side of the coin, 
is the European team. Oh, those guys are getting older. The guys like Poulter and Westwood are probably not going to be playing two years from now on the Ryder Cup. Sergio's getting on in years. There's not a lot of great young talent coming in to backfill those guys. So overreaction Monday had the U.S. is going to dominate for years to come and, and the European team is too old. You buying any of that? Well, I, th- I think, Chris, like all these things, all these things are circular. You know what I mean? We had a hell of a run there for a long time. And then along came at the same time Sevy and Langer and Woozy and Faldo and, and that whole group, you know, and it was, it was, you know, Spanish Armada. It was just, they were loaded, you know, loaded. And those guys were very dominant players worldwide for a long time. And the, and the tide shifted and it went their way. And, and rightfully so. They were, that was an incredibly talented group. And they had some young people coming up that were talented and, and they rode that way for a while. And I think right now it's, it's definitely, it appears to at least be shifting back the other way. We've got, a deep talent pool. They're a very young talent pool. I mean, think about the five next five guys who didn't make the team. I mean, that'd be, that'd be a hell of a five-player team. Um, and then they are getting older, and, and the tide is shifting again. So I think it's just a big cycle. It goes back and forth. I, I think that what we're overlooking a little bit is there's some young talent in Europe that isn't that isn't bad at all. And and just like all these tour schools we go through, Chris, you know. Like the Corn Ferry Finals are going on now, you know, in state going to stage two. Who's going to be the next guy that jumps out and, and, you know, is the Will Zowell Taurus of this year? So you never know. I mean, it's hard to say that, you know, their team is weak. They've got young talent coming up, too. There's so much talent worldwide. Uh, it appears that the U.S. has an edge and the tide has shifted, but you just never know. I think what the statement you made was, and it surprised me, too, how well this group got along. That's a real tribute to, to Stricker and his vice captains that those guys did come together. There was a lot of, there was a lot of grumbling, a lot of tension leading up to it. And then they, and they rallied around Stricker and they did a hell of a job. And Tom, I got to tell you, I was so impressed by Scotty Scheffler and what he did, a captain's pick by Strick. And the guy goes out and goes 2 0 and 1, including beating John Rahm 4 and 3 in the Sunday singles matches. He was a pretty good captain's pick. What were your thoughts from what you saw from Scheffler on that stage? Well, I don't think I don't think Scotty Scheffler's talent is any secret. I mean, not not, unless, not certainly not the guys on tour, not to to really good teachers around the country. We've watched him. You know, he was a great junior player, a good college player. He's had a, he's had a nice start in his PGA Tour career. He's solid. He he's he's a quality player. He's he's not he's not scared of the spotlight. It doesn't seem like. I I think it was a I think it was a good pick on Strick Park, but it, it didn't surprise me that he played well. I mean, I don't think I don't think it's any surprise how good Scotty Shuffler is. And Tom Bryson DeChambeau went into those matches with all kinds of issues. I mean, the whole Brooks and Bryson thing was looming over him. He and the fans were starting to get to a boiling point with people taunting him and you know the Brooksy thing and all that. Then he splits with his caddy. He wasn't talking to the media because he didn't like how they were treating him. And then all he does is go out with Scheffler and partner together and go one and one in the team matches on Friday and Saturday. And then Bryson steps up to the first team in the singles matches on Sunday against Sergio and drives the first green, walks off the tee with his putter raised, you know, over his head in his hands, acknowledging the fans. And then the fact that, you know, the next club I'm going to be hitting is my putter on this par four. And then he steps up and drains the eagle putt. Did anyone do more for their personal brand at the Ryder Cup than Bryson did? I, I I think the personal brand thing, Bryce, is like a roller coaster. You know, we love them, we hate them, we love them, we hate them. We can't make up our mind if we love them or we hate them. 
you know, and it, it, you have, it depends on what week you ask me. You know, I, I he he rubs me the wrong way a little bit. I think he's just a little bit over the top. Listen, he's a very talented dude. He's a di- obviously a different cat. He beats to a very different drum, and and he and he and he made a good showing there. So my you know, hats off. You got to tip your hat to him. But uh, you know, they they all stepped up, Chris. I mean, it, it, you know, you can, there's so many storylines there. Guys really came through in a big way. I mean, look at look at look at DJ's record. You know, five and zero. Oh. I mean, how do you? That was incredible. What you know he did. You know, throughout those matches and. There's so many great storylines about guys that really came through, um, right, right through the whole lineup. And Tom, where do you rank the Ryder Cup among the great uh, sporting events that we have? I and mean, the Super Bowl, the World Series, the Stanley Cup, the NBA Finals, et cetera, et cetera, World Cup. Where does the Ryder Cup fit in your list of the best uh, sporting events? The Ryder Cup is right behind the Yankee Red Sox rivalry. You know, which is going on right now on ESPN that you have me have me watching with the sound off right now. Um, now, for me, for me, Chris, you and I agree on this one. My, my favorite thing as a golfer is is and always will be Augusta. I mean, that nothing yep. to me, nothing to me is ahead of Augusta. And I'm I'm a huge Open Championship guy. I, I love the history of the Open Championship. Um, and and I might put the Ryder Cup behind the Open Championship as the third thing. For me, in golf, in golf, as far as all the sports are concerned, I have some bad news for you, Chris. What's that? Stanton just hit one off the Stanton just hit one off the green monster for 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 stand up double, I think. Oh, he stands first. Just sorry about that. Little report for you there. Um, <laughs> I I think you know in all the sports. I mean, we all love. I think we do. Uh, we love the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, I think that you know the Super Bowl is a, is a spectacle. And of course, the World Series. But you know, as, as a golfer, you and I, I know we always agree to this. I mean, nothing's ahead of Augusta to me. Nothing in sport as a golfer. I mean, as a little boy on the putting green, that three footer, that four footer we made was always to win the Masters. It was always the one you wanted to win and certainly play. And I remember going to Augusta for the first time, and and you've been there enough, and we've both been there enough times. You walk around that corner of the clubhouse for the first time for that Vista, and yeah, I'll never forget that feeling. It was just, you know, it's it still shows up my spine. That's just a special place to me. Tom, we're already into the new golf season. You got the wraparound season nowadays, so there's little to no downtime, right? We go right from the the tour championship, and then the next week we're already into the 2022 season. Um, this time of year used to be silly season. We used to have a lot of fun events like the the skins game was around Thanksgiving time. We had the shark shootout. We had the three-tour challenge, events like that. Do you miss those events, or do you like this sort of, let's just launch right into the next season? I, uh, I'm i a big, the, the wraparound season is a big downer for me, Chris. I think, n- number one, I think these guys need a rest. They need some time off. They need time to recharge. I think it's too much to ask, you know, they don't have any time to kind of take a breath and, and be with their families and, and uh, and recharge their batteries. I think you're asking too much of them to play as many weeks as, as they do, um, and travel like that intently. And, and you know, it's a it's a pressure cooker out there. And then I, I miss the silly season. I mean, was, wasn't it fun Thanksgiving week to turn on the Skins game? Wasn't that yeah. wasn't that awesome? Yes, it was. I mean, and you know, I mean, the Shark Shootout now is still in Naples every year, and I and I go over one of the days and and and, and wander around. I see some old friends, and it's fun. Um, but all of those events were so much fun, you know. I mean, 
And, and I'll tell you what else. I remember when the last event on tour was at Disney, and the 125 was that was in jeopardy, and so many guys were playing to keep their cards that last week and everything. And I certainly appreciate the Corn Ferry Tour and what it's done for guys, giving them a place to play. But that last event at Disney was always a pressure cooker, and it was always fun to kind of watch who was, who was jockeying for those last four or five spots and who was in, who was out. Um, it's different now. I, I know I know things change, and, and time moves on, and, and money money's the driving force in TV. But uh, I do miss the I, I do miss the silly season. Tom, I want to switch gears a little bit and uh, get a couple of playing lessons from you tonight. And as the weather starts to get cooler, particularly for our friends up north, and and then the ground starts to get a little bit harder, the greens get a little bit harder and faster. Does anything about our swing or our strategy or the type of wedges that we're going to play does any of that need to change to compensate for the harder fairways and greens? I mean, people that are real golfers, Chris, certainly, you know, when, you know, you take a yardage now with a rangefinder, you know, in in softer, more summer type conditions, you know, you, you shoot the pin and you get you get a yardage and you hit a club and you try to carry a pin high. Well, as those greens firm up and everything, and 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 the weather gets a little cooler, you know, you got to you got to look at a different way to get to that hole location. You got to think about where you're going to land the ball and how much is it going to release. And you got to play different types of shots. I mean, you know, the weather gets a little nastier. Maybe you get a little wind. You get a little rain. You get you get some bad conditions. It's it's different golf, obviously. So you got to think about different factors now. And it's not just take a club and hit it to a, hit it to a yardage. Um, you got to play the ball on the ground a little bit more at times. You got to play different kind of shots that are flighted. Um, the game changes. The game changes up north. I mean, it doesn't change for me, obviously, and, and for you as much, Atlanta and South. Um, we're still going to have some nice weather for a little while. Not, and going back to Naples, it's going to be perfect all winter. So I don't, I don't have to worry about those things too much. But growing up in the Northeast, certainly the game changed in the fall. Uh, you know, in the fall it was firm and fast, and the spring was wet and soggy. So it's almost like you played three different games. You played a fall game, you played a summer game, and you played a spring game. Um, and you had to make combinations for those things, and you had to think about those things if you really wanted to, you know, shoot a good score. Uh, and, and the green conditions change because, as you said, you know, greens are now going to get a little firmer and faster. That you know, some some grasses are going to become dormant. The ball is going to kind of trundle down there a little differently and roll out a little differently. So you know, your your awareness has to go up certainly. So to a phrase you mentioned a moment ago, Tom, got to play the ball on the ground more often. For our friends up north in the in the northeast or just in the northern part of the country, talk about shot selection. If I'm suddenly 40 or 50 yards off the green or 20 or 30 yards, for that matter, do I need to be taking, instead of I'm used to pulling out my lob wedge, I'm used to pulling out my sand wedge and hitting that shot. Do I need to start thinking about maybe I need to punch a nine iron or an eight iron, get the ball on the ground and let it trickle up onto the green and, and run because I mean, with the ground being harder, I'm going to get more roll and release. I think you just gave a great lesson there, Chris. I mean, I think you said all the right things. I mean, I mean, certainly have to evaluate on a case-by-case basis. I mean, uh, pin location, undulation, ground conditions, grass, has it dormant? Is it lush? Is it, is it still growing? Is it not growing? You know, what's, what's, what's in between you and the hole? Do you have clean, you have a clean alley to the hole? Is there a bunker in your way or a part of a bunker in your way? Uh, do you have to play, can you, you have to, are you forced to play away from the pin because you really can't stop the ball? Where the pin is located, maybe hit it 15 feet left of the pin, two putt and get out of there, and, and not do something silly like running through the green into a back bunker. Um, all those conditions have to be taken into account. You know, it's it's 
comes down to course management. It comes into creativity. I mean, who was better at that than Seve or, or Floyd? Uh, those guys were masters at those kind of things in, in different conditions, especially in open championships. Um, so you have to have a little bit of an eye. You have, to, you have to have a creative eye, and you have to evaluate those situations on a case-by-case basis. Tom, let's move over into the rough. And for most weekend hackers no, no, like not. me. Let's not. Let's not move over to the rough. Let's not. <laughs> for most hackers like me, you know, we get into the rough and, and we've always heard the phrase, you know, catch a fly or something along those lines. But how do how should we be adjusting? Yardage is one thing. But now we're we're in the in the rough and you know we we're not sure exactly what kind of a flyer we might get out of there, how the ball might jump and release and that sort of thing. Is there something in our swing and our club selection and you know shaft lean, something along those lines that we don't normally think of that we should be thinking about and evaluating when we've got a ball that's in the rough? Yeah, you know, if if, if you look down and you have even a suspicion, even a suspicion that's a potential flyer line. I mean, and it doesn't come out hot. Say it doesn't come out. The worst that's going to happen is if it be right in front of the green, you can chip it up, up on an uphill chip shot, and you can you can essentially get up and down. The one that scares me is when it does jump. You know, when it jumps and you have no control of that ball, and it's whistling up in the air with no spin, and it's going 30 yards further than you anticipated it going, and then you fly it over the back bunker, gone, out of bounds, or, or you know, just leaves the planet. I remember playing golf uh, early in my college career, and I was paired with Joey Sindelar. And when Joey was younger, you know that name, don't you, Chris? Of course I do. Yeah. So Joey was, you know, Joey in his youth was uh, was pretty long. And I played at Ohio State. We were on the same team as John Cook. And we were playing somewhere. I think you know, I think it might have even been a mini tour event just after college. And we and he hit it over in some Bermuda rough. And it was kind of sitting down. And I, I happened to walk past the ball, and it was a, a classic flyer alive. And, you know, he probably had 160 or 70 yards at the time. And he took a rip at this thing, and it came out flying, but it went the right distance, and it came down on the green. And I was like, well, how did you do that? He goes, it's really simple. He goes, I dropped down two clubs, and I hit it as hard as I can. <laughs> but wow. I mean, so so say, say it was a seven-iron shot. He dropped down to a nine-iron and just tried to rip it and let it fly and let it go. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting take. And that's how he played fly a lot. He just played it to fly. Drop down a couple of clubs just to rip at it, where, where other guys are trying to maybe hold it off or do something. And you, you can't control that shot. You can't control it. So he played a front yardage, took two clubs less, and just, and just let it go. Um, wow. I think that was a pretty interesting take on how to play a flyer. Tom, let's talk about another fairway trouble shot, and that's the fairway bunker. We find ourselves somewhere in the you know, 100, 150 yards out, and we're, we're in the bunker. Um, how do we play that shot? You know, I've, t- I've tried in the past, you know, try to keep the lower half of my body quiet. But um, yep. you know, sometimes it, it's hard because, you know, you got to get it. Typically, you got to get it over somewhat of a lip. But how do we hit that shot, hit it crisply and not end up sculling it or slamming it into the front face of the bunker? And we're still right back in the same spot. I love this question because here's the deal. I use fairway bunkers as a drill people to become better iron players. I think the average recreational player has trouble finding the low point in their golf swing, hitting shots both fat and thin, because they're too active with their lower body, they make too aggressive a swing, they swing out of balance, they swing at a tempo that they really can't control, 
So I take a lot of people into the bunker, okay, give them a really nice line to bunker, and ask them what would they do if they had one swing to save their own lives, hit this shot solid. What would they do to ensure that? You know, and you get things like I dig my feet in, I choke down the club a little bit, and I make a little more of an abbreviated swing. I, I, I watch my te- all, all great answers hit solid golf shots anywhere in the golf course. Okay, so I, I have people practice fairway bunker shots to become better iron players and control their low point. Key in that bunker for me is that I, I I do dig my feet in a little bit. I choke down on the club to offset how far I've dug my feet into the bunker. Get real stable with my lower body. Okay, take a club more, make an abbreviated golf swing. But the big thing is that I stay very centered. And they're very centered. I don't, there's not a big weight shift both back and through. I stay very, very centered, hit that shot crisply. That's a real discipline. And I, I use that same discipline when I, when I work on my iron game. But I, 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 even personally, when I work on my iron game, I'll go in the bunker for 45 minutes an hour and hit fairway bunker shots to ensure clean contact and stay, stay in tempo and stay centered. So explain what you mean by staying centered. So I don't, I don't believe in a weight shift, Chris. I, I believe in change pressure in different parts of your feet when you hit shots. I don't really constantly try to shift my weight to the right and shift my weight to the left. I really make what I call a centered rotational motion. Um, does my body pivot and does my weight, in fact, move? It does as a reaction to my arm swing. But I don't constantly try to shift my weight back and through. I think when I make a backswing, because my right hip turns, the weight is shifted into my right heel, okay? As I return to the impact area, the weight's moving from my right heel through my right foot into my left foot, and as my left hip rotates back into my left heel. So my pressure shifts, but I don't make this conscious lateral movement both back and through. Tom, and one of the other things you mentioned that uh, a lot of us might say to the answer to your previous question is choke down a little. Talk about the difference between choking down a little and taking a, an abbreviated backswing. Because I think a lot of us just think about, well, if I want to take a little bit off this, I may take a little bit shorter backswing. So, therefore, I'll take some distance off the ball. But choking down yeah, I, can also have the same effect, right? Yeah, absolutely, Ken, Chris. And that's a great point. So, as truth be told, I don't, with the exception of my driver, okay, and an occasional freewood, I don't hold club in my bag at the top of the grip. There's always a half an inch, at least, between the top of the, the butt of my club and where the heel pad of my left hand is placed on the golf club. I don't hold any golf clubs at the very end of the golf club. None. Zero. So there's always, I'm always choked down slightly on every club I hit in my, gol- in my bag. Um, iron shots are accurate shots. They're not distance shots. And if I, can, if I have to give up, I'm going to make this up five yards three more greens. That's a hell of a trade-off, right? So I don't, yep. I don't, you know, and, I, and that was a discussion I had a long time ago with, with the great Ben Crenshaw, who, who doesn't hold any golf club in his bag, including his driver, at the end of the grip. He's finished choked down a full inch on every club in his bag. And that, that's something he, he came to grips with, with, with the great Harvey Pennock, you know, keep the ball under control uh, and keep the ball in front of him. Um, so yeah, it is the same effect. I, I like I like my players hitting a lot of what I call abbreviated scoring clubs, seven, eight, nine wedges certainly, um, with an abbreviated grip and, and at times an abbreviated golf swing. 
Tom, give a shout out to a couple of your students because I see them doing great things out there. I saw a couple more won tournaments, shot their lowest scores ever. Give a shout out to some of your students that are out there achieving great things. Thanks to you. Well, thanks, Jesse. I, I we had a nice week this week. One of my young ladies, Macy Benson in Indiana, just won her second straight uh, Indiana State High School Girls Championship um, and is, is in the midst of the college recruiting process, which I can't talk about too much right now. But um, she's going to want to play in some big-time college golf somewhere. She's a talented little girl, and I'm really proud of her. Uh, Jack the Whack made a major comeback this week in a, in a two-day event um, at Beth Page Red. First time in his life, Christy fired a three under par 67 at Beth Page Red and uh, cracked the top 10 in a pretty major junior tournament there. So he's really on a high right now, which is exciting. Um, one of my, my uh, young professionals, uh, unfortunately, just missed it the first stage at the Corn Ferry, but he had won, he won the pre-Q the week before. He's making nice progress. He's going to play some uh, G Tour Pro events this summer and, and some uh, Corn Ferry four spotters and PJ Tour four spotters on Mondays. Uh, Evan Wong is a nice young player and, uh, he's heading in the right direction. So yeah, we had some young people that are doing good. We got a, another kid named Maverick Conaway, who's also an Indiana kid who's coming to see me this week, actually, at, at, at uh, Farmington had a nice season this year too, won a couple of events. So we got some nice young players who are making some progress and, uh, it's fun. I mean, that's, that's the most fun and, you know, you work with these young people who are, who are passionate, enthusiastic and, and work their, you know, work their rear ends off is a lot of fun for me and, uh, it's fun when they have success and that you can you can see how excited they get. I got some bad news for you, Tom. It's two nothing. I know. I saw it. I saw <laughs> it. Bogart just hit a two run home run. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> it's, it's Tom, before I let you go, my friend, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether that's following you on your website or over social media. I'd rather, uh, instead of doing that today, Chris, I'd rather, uh, brag on you, you cracking the top 10, uh, with that podcast of yours. I mean, you, you, uh, you come, you come light years in that, in that ranking and, uh, de- deservedly so. And, and, and you're heading to number one, no doubt in my mind. I did a post this week. I don't know if you saw it or not, uh, talking about that, that, that advancement. And I yelled out and shouted out to the folks at ESPN and the people at Sirius Radio and the people at the golf channel. They should wake up. And, and understand where the new talent's coming from, not only on the Corn Ferry Tour and the PJ Tour, but on the broadcast world. Chris Mascaro deserves a better spot than where he is right now. I'm so proud of him. And we, we're all of us who come on, and we're, so, many, so many of us are good friends. And you know how many guys you have on that I'm friendly with and close to that are your guests. And, and we all feel the same when we get together and talk about you. Um, you're the best in the business, pal. We love you. Well, I can't thank you enough for all of that. And, uh, the show is going where it's going because of great support from our listeners and great support from people like you. And, and no one loves you more than me, TP. Don't ever forget that. And that includes your, your beautiful wife, but, um, Thanks, you're, you're outstanding. And I can't thank you enough for all Thanks. your contributions and the great golf content that you've brought us, uh, this season. Going to be a while before we get back together on this show because this week's the last episode of the year, but, uh, I can't thank you enough for everything and, and, um, you taking time out of your busy schedule to come here every other Tuesday night to uh, talk to our listeners. You're outstanding, my friend. I love you. Chris, thanks. So tell, you, tell, me if you're, tell Donnie Hammond I said how we played some mini tour golf together. And uh, remember me to Kelly Stenson. She's a wonderful talent. I will do both. Take care, my friend. Stay safe. We'll catch up again thanks, soon. Tom. See you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. That's the great Tom Patry. P-A-T-R-I. TomPatry.com is the website. 
a finer human being on this planet you will not find. And uh, I can't thank Tom enough for being a part of the show as often as he has. I mean, tonight was episode number 58 that he has been a part of, and every one of them have been a privilege and a pleasure to have Tom on. And uh, I look forward to catching up with him again soon. Go see him down in Naples, folks. You want to take your game to the next level? Tom Patrick is your guy.